Hello, this is What the Heck with Richard Dweck, uh, season three, uh, episode two. This interview, this episode is an interview with Daniel Caprio. He's a close friend of mine in comedy. He's a great comedian. He is, a. it's, it's sort of a, I don't want to um, compare him to anyone because he's very incomparable. If that's, he's uncomfortable. He's, like, just very unique. But if I had to, like, sort of give you, like, uh, what he's sort of like, he's, like, imagine, like, a younger, even more uh, hot-headed and uh, sillier uh, um, version of uh, Sebastian Mascalco. Like, he's just, like, that, like, he's, he's Italian, but his, he, and he leans into it a little bit, but his whole thing is just, he's good at roasting. He's good at finding just different angles for jokes, and he's just hot on stage. He's just, like, we talk about, like, how he goes head-to-head with stuff, and he's great with crowds, and he's just been doing it for, since, uh, I think he said 2013, and he's, he's just great. And, uh, he, uh, he was really great about you know, he kind of pushed me to make this uh, podcast better. You know, he kept gotten on me for the audio, and, you know, he was joking with me, and, you know, like, he always does, like, we roast each other, and he does a better job than I do of roasting, and, uh, <laughs> but he got on me to make this, to make this podcast better, and uh, I'm really grateful for that, because he gives a shit about me, and that's great, like, it's just so cool to have him as a friend, and as sort of a colleague I guess in comedy and uh he's fantastic uh anyway this episode is uh brought to you by Anchor I want to I don't usually do this but I should more often I have to give a shout out to Anchor because they give you know they allow me to do this podcast with their app and it puts it on all the platforms Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode with uh, Daniel Caprio. Uh, thank you. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you perfect. Great. I have my microphone and everything set up. Uh, yeah, uh, I watched that video, the Scott Hall one. I've seen you, it before. You've seen it before. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, what we're talking about is there's a video of a roast of a wrestler. I forget who, but uh, they hired some schmuck comedian who I don't even think was like a good comedian. And he was like, I just did my job, <laughs> but he went too far. The one, the one Scott Hall accosted in the video. Yeah. He was like, I, I saw an, an extended interview with that same comedian. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, not a fan of that guy at all. No, he would just seem like a dick. I was like, that's like, like read the room. <laughs> like, would you? That's such a good thing to start talking about because uh, you're such a good uh, roaster. Like, you're amazing at roasting. And the way that I like it is that people can kind of tell that you're joking which is a really hard thing to do to be into it and not come off as too fake, but come off as just like the right amount of genuine and the right amount of roasting. Yeah. I believe, I believe the technical term is tongue in cheek. Right. Yeah. You give a little, you give a little wink, but not too much. Cause then people, Cause I remember uh, Andy uh, Bustamante would do that. And he did that at a uh, Joy Borsada's mic. And that was when we all first met a, uh, um, Dan Farley and Dan Farley almost kicked his ass it was like really tense I don't remember that yeah it was really weird I don't know if you were there or not but it was really tense and it was like it was like dude he roasts everyone in the crowd that's what he was trying to do but it was just like a thing and uh, um, but he didn't know Dan at the time right no that's, and then, the, that's, what, what, that's why it didn't work because he didn't know him Right. And then uh, it was just a whole thing. But uh, anyway, I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask you. Uh, but oh, oh, so we're, we're beginning already with no yes. introduction. No. Yeah, because I got an invite. I'm going to 
I'm gonna <laughs> and it, it asked me for my name and email address. I'm like, I feel like I'm signing up for the library. Now, uh, I'll give you a whole introduction and tell everyone about you uh, in the. I'll record that. But um, I wanted to ask you, uh, when did you? This is such a typical question, but when did you start doing comedy? Like the first day I did it. Yeah. May 8th, 2013. I remember it like a freaking wedding anniversary now. Right. You were I was like supposed 20, to right? do it. I was supposed to do it a week before that, but my friend got married and uh, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted people to be able to, to go. So I was like, you know what? Let's, let's postpone this man. Uh, right. And I got a, I would, I went to the stress factor. That was the very first place I ever went. Right. And at the time, and I believe it's still the same case. If it's your first time going there and you're performing, they want you to bring five people for, you know, an audience. And right. I ended up bringing seven. And I believe I went on 25th or 26th that night. That was back when around 30 to 35 people would sign up every week. Right. And, you know, by that time, it was fatigued. There were still people, but it was sparse. You know, there was like pockets here and there. And I remember vividly, I sat down at a few tables of people that were comedians, and I didn't really know it at the time. I just saw them go before me. And I did it to kind of be a dick, but to it was it was brand new for me. Like, I didn't really know the ins and outs. Right. So I just did what I thought was funny to me and was off the wall, which is strange because I still do that now, only it's more refined. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm writing instead of just, you know. I don't want to say improving, but I, it was definitely right. free. It was freewheeling, is what it was. The one thing uh, that I wanted to ask uh, was, uh, how old were you when this was uh, your first time? I was twenty nine then. Twenty nine, yeah. I mean, that's like a perfect like. You start know people. A lot of people started at that time, and it's like, you know, I kind of wish like that I started like earlier or later, because like just to like. You, I think you know yourself more when you're at 30. Yeah, and it felt like the right... I had been given the idea of doing stand-up comedy probably six or seven years before that. I'm glad I waited, though, because I had to learn how to take criticism more, fail more, right. live life more, experience loss more, yeah. uh, get credit card debt, you know, they... It, all of these things are right. topics to write about. And when, you know, I could have started comedy when I was, you know, in high school or, or like in college. Right. But I would have, the, the subject matter would have been completely different. And it would, right. and it definitely wouldn't, it would only been like three years of doing that particular material. One thing that doesn't surprise me, but like kind of was, took me off guard was how much like you go into writing, like your stuff. Like, you have tons of folders, right? And, uh, like, tons of, uh, like, just tons of stuff that you have material on. Yeah, since I spoke to you about that, I've made more folders and I've oh added to the existing folders. Yeah, it's like, well, I had been meaning to do that for a while. I was doing it very slowly, you know, like, when I'm in an airport or when I have downtime, you know, like, I'm right. like, four or five hours, you know, between work and going out, you know, at nighttime. Uh, or I'll take an entire day rather than that and just do it on a Sunday, just update everything. But that was sporadic, right. you know, with going in a lockdown and, you know, like having all that time added. Uh, I, I I was like, you know what? I got to do it now. I got to strike while the iron's hot. And I just I made all these folders. And now I have all these, you know, 10 minute, 15 minute, 30 minute an hour sets. And I just copy and paste, you know, like, I'm like, what's been working lately? And I put little stars next to what I want to do next. So wow. I, have, I have like jokes on deck. I have jokes that I've closed with. I have jokes that I've never done before. And they're all getting rotated. That is so like, that's so interesting to me. Like, you know how like into comedy I am. That's like so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I found, I, I, you know, every now and then I would find a joke that I wrote like six, seven years ago. And I'm like, you know what? I can, I can write a punchline for this or I can like stretch it out or, you know, cause right. I'm like, I totally forgot I wrote it. And then I find it and I'm like, I got to organize all this stuff, you know, that way, that way I'll never lose these jokes. I, uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, different gigs like that you've had, like 
not particularly mics, because you've done a lot of shows. Like, you're always doing shows, which is great. Uh, do you use, like, any type of, like, booking service to get those gigs? No, uh, at this point, generally, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but people generally approach me to do shows now. I was beginning, that was the way that I would, you know, find out about shows and eventually get on them. Right. Now I try, I try and hone my material so much that people take notice of me and they're like, you know what? I could use Dan for this show. I can, I got a show coming up. I want Dan on it because of how, you know, his act is. I wanted, this isn't really a salacious podcast, but I wanted to ask, you know, if you had any particular gigs that didn't go well, like any stories of gigs that didn't go. Uh, I'm not trash talking the gig, but a friend of mine almost got, he was threatened uh, to be stabbed. It was a gig. (laughs) It was a gig in, in, uh, in Philadelphia about, I'd say a little over four years ago. Uh, it was, it was in April and it was a birthday burlesque show. So there was, there was regular comedians. There was my friend and myself, the host was a comedian and the guy that got me on the show is a ukulele comedian. Oh, then there's burlesque acts. There was, uh, there was a guy who did like fire tricks. Uh, there was, there was a musical duo comedy where it was like two guys on acoustic guitars, but they were singing like dirty, funny songs. So it was like, it it was, it was, it was fun for the, in the beginning, but it's in, it's in a place where it's a cash only bar. It's kind of like a punk rock venue. So as the night goes on, people are getting more and more freaking drunk, which I knew was going to happen. However, my friend who, who was the guy that, you know, people were having an issue with, uh, he's, he's the most tongue in cheek guy. I think I know he says the most very foul things. However, right. if you're in on the joke, you know, he's just kidding throughout right. everything. He's not being serious, right. but it is, it is really harsh material. Yeah. A lot of people in the audience after a while weren't really digging him and a, uh, part of a burlesque, uh, thing, you know, they were like, Hey, you say one more thing, you know, we're going to, we're going to stab your ass. And then oh. a, I swear to God, a guy in my makeup with a bowler hat on got on the stage and pointed in his face. He's like, you stop this. You stop this right now. This is disgusting. I'm paraphrasing, but. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's tense, man, because I was taking pictures of him at that time. And I'm like, all right. Now I'm like, something happens. I'm going to I'm gonna have to jump in, you know? Right. I ended up going outside, and I'm like, oh, this is where it all goes bad, you know, right here. Because right. I, you know they were all supposed to be taking a smoke break, but I'm like, you know, it could, it could definitely happen out there, you know? So I was like, I had better go outside and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the people that were having an odd at odds with him were down the way. They were like up against a brick wall, just kind of like, you know, looking at him and, you know, not happy, but not, not, you know, violent. He was talking to one of the audience members and I walked into their conversation and the guy was like, Hey man, you know, like I wasn't really, it wasn't about everything you were saying tonight, but these were the jokes that I liked that, that you did. These were definitely funny. And right. he repeated, you know, like what he liked. And I'm like, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what you do. Right. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to dig everybody's act and you could have a problem with people's acts, right. but just talk, you know, just talk it out like that guy did. The, the guy was like, right. yeah, some of this stuff you were saying was really funny. Yeah. And we ended up not getting paid for that. Uh-oh. And I think we left shortly after that we said we said goodbye to the promoter and the guy that put us on the show but it was still it was still heated you know what i mean like right we we couldn't really stay till the very end did you have we were laughing about it on the way home but that could have went really bad right how was your set was it like my set was all right i like i said it you had to struggle to get the audience's attention and since i'm doing just straight comedy Right. I didn't, I didn't, all I had was my presence and my, my material. So I was, you know, like I was mixing up crowd work and then I would sneak jokes in. Right. I think like, that's such like a, I always talk about how like people have to, the one thing I've noticed is people have to get to know you like 15 seconds by the time you're on stage. And I think that's like perfect for you. Like you have such like an essence that people are like, okay, I got like where, what this guy is and everything i think that's a yeah. really like hidden talent that you have to have to like be able to express yourself in that way 
Well, I also, you know, before you go on, something might have happened, you know, like the whole room might have got killed because, you know, guy bombed right. before you or, you know, like a fight could break out. Uh, the comedian could get into a fight with an audience member or a close call. The right. comedian could start yelling at the producers or, you know, like get pissed at the host and then it's awkward right. that way. Uh, or the audience could be like getting real agitated. You know, I like to address what's going on. When I get on stage, if something funny happened, you know, like I like right. to address it. Or if there's if there's a, a person in the audience that's giving people grief, I'll point that out. Right. It could uh, backfire and it has. But, you know, that you're living in the moment. Right. Have you ever had like I guess that you kind of answered this next question that I had. But have you ever had like a gig that you didn't think would go well, but went well? Oh, I've had many of those. I've walked into places. I think the whole show is going to be bad. And then it, you know, it turns into a fantastic show. Right. Uh, I remember uh, the one thing that I think you really impressed me with that I just kind of want to like really compliment you on is uh, the headliner set that you had. Uh, that was last year, right? Which which one? Because there was one I did in January. It was the first one of Mike Mazza's thing. The first one he ever did. The one where Elazar introduced me. Yeah, yeah. And I took my jacket off, and then those girls were telling me to strip on stage. And I'm like, yeah, you, gotta you were really for, you gotta pay me for that service. You were in like insane form. You were like, yeah, this is like, it was like, uh, it almost felt like, like it, even though it was for him, like his type of show. Like it was, it really felt like your night. I, well, I wasn't, I don't, I don't remember if I was supposed to go on first or not. I guess technically I went on second because Elazar, yeah. you know, like he, I mean, but he's the host. So I was the first actual comedian. Right. I was going through a, a lot of like stress at that time. I, I had a brand new job right. and I had just gotten out of a relationship. And also I was getting booked at a good frequency uh, around that time. And I, you know, like I wanted to get videos of the, the gigs that I was like, you know, and that ended up being, I believe, the biggest audience I've been in front of so far doing comedy. Right. So I was like, yeah, the pressure's on, but I got to make it count, you know, and I could have fun like while I'm here because, you know, it, in that kind of place, it seemed like that was the vibe. Yeah. So I was going to try and, and match that vibe. Yeah, it was it was a really good uh like just said and performance and everything and you have yeah i felt your, uh... I, I felt a little nervous right before you know because that's a paid gig and, right. and we got you know like i said you know that they, they i believe he sold more than what was projected yeah so i didn't want to you know like i'm the first one up i'm like i gotta bring the energy right now yeah that's like it's just so like cool to like see you when you're on you know when you're killing, like it's, it's amazing. Uh, I know you were uh, talking with uh, um, who's his name, Eric Hallrock on his podcast. Uh, it kind of sucks what's going the on right now, Diaries. but I heard that you were like gonna try and cap an album. Did you have anything like before this all went down in the prospect of that? Yeah, and I've been thinking about that more lately. That's since it's it's not really viable right now to do a, like a coast tour, like an East Coast or right. like, you know, like a, a mid kind of like uh, not Midwest, but like uh, more, you know, like past Pennsylvania kind of deal where, you know, it's like those areas. Uh, I uh, doing an album right now would probably be the next step. Yeah. I mean, that would be, you know, perfect for you. I'm a big nerd for albums. So like it's just. It's like amazing how much it can be done now, now, and like record companies and everything are still around. It's it's a uh, it's interesting. I was just like curious. The uh, do you have any like I know this is sort of a nerdy thing. Do you have any names that you would have called it? Yeah, it would probably be called Otterly Ridiculous. Oh, I think okay. it's I think I'm settled on that. Right, because you love otters, so that's a. It's an inside it's an inside joke and it's confusing to people. Right. And I like I like when people can't put their finger on 
you know, like what, what I'm about or what I'm going to do. Right. I love, I love c- catching people off guard on stage. Yeah. I, I, uh, when I made the advertising for this on my uh, Instagram, I was like, I have to get a picture of him with an otter or something and i found it and i was like okay this is yeah that's that's when uh i i visited san francisco with my mom a few times and we always walk past that mural and i'm like she see she doesn't know why i want to have a picture taken in front of that but i'm like it's perfect and i don't have to i don't have to really digitally do anything to it it's like that's really what's on the wall and i'm really there all i got to do is put a filter on it that's it right well, you got you got like a script sheet. Yeah, I had like some stuff like that I wanted to ask. I was like, okay, like best gig. Like I wanted to ask worst gig. Like because you've done so much stuff. Like it's really impressive to me that, that the two the, that uh, the headliner. I would say because it's you know like that the, the size of the audience, how well it went, the video, the, the entire show, right? Uh, just that time of year too. I I gotta say, Rich, January and February, I still hold this to this day. Uh, I figured those are the best months for comedy, for stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. You have no real outdoor activities going on at that time. Sports are kind of dying down around right. that time. You know, you got you got football going on, but it's like if your team is not in it, you know, like you might just lose complete interest. Right. You know, like I don't, I don't care at this point. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no like uh, baseball or well, – I mean, they're – you know what I mean, right? Right. Uh, there's no, there's no outdoor, there's no big outdoor barbecues. People aren't dancing outside. It's only indoor activities. Stand up comedy. You can go there by yourself. You can go there on a date. Right. You can go there. You can go there in a work group, a friend group. You can go there with two people, fifty people. It, it's it's like the most versatile, and it's and it's normally cheap, and you could eat and drink there, which is like a whole night in right. one. You don't have to do three places. And uh, you, I think the one thing that's like great without all of this is, is you is that you've actually been able to like it hasn't triggered anything with you. Like you've been able to actually like get like lose weight and stuff. And like, like do you think comedy has really like sort of improved your life in more ways than you think it would have? Oh, without question, it's given it's given a purpose to. You know, like I always wanted to do things creatively and whether it be playing, you know, like music or drawing or or write not not writing comedy, but writing, you know, short stories and, you know, like trying to write a novel when I was like a teenager. Right. And writing in school for for projects. I always really liked that. And I would save all my, you know, like writing projects. But doing stand-up comedy, I love the ritual of it. I love the I love the writing and the organizing, right. writing in a notepad, the memorization, the trying out in a certain environment, listening incessantly to recordings over and over again, you know, like seeing what worked, what didn't, what right. could be improved. And a lot of times I think I did bad. And then I listen back to the recording. I'm like, I'm hearing stuff that I didn't hear while I was on stage. Cause where I put my phone a lot of times it, it'll pick up a conversation that people are having. I'm like, Oh damn, people were talking. I didn't hear that. Or it was dead silent. And I'm like, Oh, there's more laughs than I thought because my hearing is obscured. For- hey man, please don't kick me off again. No, I don't know what happened. It just glitched. I'm getting flashbacks from your appearance on our podcast. Yeah, I felt so bad about that. I was like, I'm going to use my mom's computer, and it's going to be fine. And then I am not. And it was like, this is the... But, you know, I guess it's what happens when you go DIY with stuff. <laughs> um, what did we get cut off at? We got cut off at you telling me, like, how your life improved with doing comedy. Like, Oh, uh, it get, I Well, wherever it got cut off at, I'm sure you can salvage that. Yeah. Uh it it gave it gave more of a structure to everything like i have i plan out days and weekends uh accordingly to you know like do i have a gig do i have all these mics i, I want to go to can i go to them right uh, and then i gotta balance out a love life and, you know like a right. job situation. have you uh it's such a topical thing but have you done any of the zoom mics or anything no no i i I did a couple of them, but they're just like not like it feels like vlogging. 
it just feels like I I'd rather do something on Instagram than try and because you're just performing for people, like not really uh, hearing any laughs or anything. I agree. I I told myself at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I'll wait until I'm physically back on stage. You know, I won't stop writing, but I don't. It's not for me. Right. And uh, but you have Rich, your podcast. Now. I don't mean to interrupt you, Rich. I'm getting a lot of feedback on my end. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I'll see if I can. Are you using your microphone? I'm using my microphone. Yeah. Okay. I'm just like trying not to stand too close or too far away from the box. Yeah, I have my phone on a stand right now. Okay. Uh, let me just see something. Okay. <laughs> can you still hear me okay? Yeah, it's a little hollow now. Okay. But I can hear you. All right. <laughs> Sorry. It's a spatial thing. <laughs> I, um, anyway, I wanted to ask how your podcast is going it seems to you have you host the foul housemates with uh liam burdett yeah man it's it's going freaking great i just recorded it mobily uh yesterday i was uh i was out getting something to eat and then i was like you know what i can be as loud as i want in my car and we ended up you know like certain parts of it were like really you know like we're getting heated so that was that was a good call it's like my phone was almost dead by the time it was over but right it was uh, I, I did that once before because I uh, I got added to like this backyard show and that was the same night we were supposed to record the podcast. And I'm like, I'll, I can do both, you know, and it and ended right. up working out perfectly. That was at Pete Freight's house. You, you left early. You missed, yeah, you missed my set, man. And, and that was the Molly episode, right? That's correct. Yeah, I recorded that one in my car. Yeah, I know people were like kind of weirded out. They're like, he's doing it by himself. How does it even work? <laughs> we're like. And I'm like, he's probably doing it, like, communicating with Liam about it. That's the beauty but, of the Discord that uh, Liam uh, records out of. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it craps out, but yeah. most of the time it works. I think you guys have such an interesting dynamic, too. Like, how did that whole thing, like, just come about? I think he wanted to do a podcast for a while. I vaguely remember him talking about it, like, in December, and right. once the, you know, once you're quarantined, I mean, he didn't lose his job, but, you know, I had more time on my hands and I said, hey, you know, I can't do stand up. This is a good, I, I would figure parlay into something that I used to have a radio show. So, I mean, I have, you know, like a background in that mm-hmm. it was music, but I talked, you know, like there were talking segments too. Right. Did you do that in college? Yeah. Oh. It was called All Things Heavy. You oh. would have loved it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Just to like imagine that. When, I, uh... I started it by myself, but I eventually got a co-host who was my best friend at the time. And right. it was cool. And they made me the music director after a while because, you know, like I was there and I, you know, like I was an organized person i would i would take a look around and i'm like man this is like totally disorganized but i you know like i would find music for my own show and they were like this guy could clean you know clean this place up did um so i was just like curious about that because the one thing that's like great about you and liam is you have both like the thing that's similar about you is you have both like distinct personalities and things that you like and dislike so it's a good barometer to bounce things off of with him have you noticed that with your chemistry and everything yeah and i'm glad it's that way because having two of the same hosts it's it's like you're talking to two of the same people you know you need one to ask more difficult questions and you need another guy to get you know give the other point of view you know what i mean like when we had you on uh he took your side a few times and I took your side a few times. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want to be like both guys are agreeing with the guest right. every single time or they're both beating the guest up and it's just like, oh, no, nah, it's a two on one and it's, right. it's no fun, you know? It, uh, it just, it's, it seems kind of weird to say, but like Liam is sort of, do you agree with this? Like Liam is sort of like the straight guy and you're sort of like more wild. Yeah, you could say that. 
Like, I just noticed that with him, like, he just sort of keeps things, like, tries to keep things, and then you make it go off the rails, and it's, like, so hilarious. Yeah, we both bring different things to the podcast. He ultimately is in charge of, you know, like, what day we record on, the recording itself, the editing of the recording. Uh, he gets guests, and I get guests. Like, our, our first guest of the second season, Brandon Vincent Jackson, that was that was my idea. Uh, to get him on and then the one we recorded yesterday with franco danger liam talked to franco so we're you know going back and forth at this point oh franco danger yeah he's he's great yeah it's a good episode man it's uh we we go into you know some some freaking difficult topics man but he he was talking about uh jester and his experience with like you know running a room so i i was glad that we got to talk about that on our podcast because it wasn't something we really, you know, had discussed at that point. I heard him talking about that before. That's like, did you ever get to do Jester? Yeah, I went there a few times. I was never on any official shows, but I used to go to that mic uh, every now and then. And I, I meant to go I to the mic, I had never a really got good time. Down there. Excuse me, what did you say? I normally had a really good time when I went there. Oh, uh, that's good. I know. I remember I messaged him one time. He's like, I'm going to be there tonight. And then I wasn't. And it was like the whole awkward thing. Yeah, that's not cool, Rich. I was like so excited, and then I was done, and I was like, "Shit!" But uh, you, um, you have hosted your own mic and stuff. You host a bunch of them. I mean, two of them at this point, really. They're they're yeah. on ice, but they'll come back. Did you? Uh, I always found it interesting that you had one at your house, and like you were so comfortable with people being there. I would be so freaked out of like what to like set everything up and like be afraid of what people are going to do. Cause you never know how comedians are going to act. I've had bad, I, I not, not really, you know, detrimentally bad, but I've had, yeah, I've had close calls, but for the most part, people are just happy to be able to like to do what they love and they're not out to like wreck anything. You know, even if they have friends there, right. They're, they all, they're all on the same page. It's like, you're over some of these where they live and right. you know i have roommates too and i always run it by the, you know them i'm like hey i'm gonna have this this comedy show you know like if you guys want to you know be be around for it this is when it's going to be uh if not you know we're gonna be loud and right. you know like i always tried to clean up th- the night of and if not i'll push everything like in corners and then i'll wake up early and you know go take right. out everything and wipe everything down and but i mean doing it for years Right. I just got into a groove, you know, and, and I, I love doing it, you know, but now it's sporadic. So it's right. In, instead of every month or every other month, now it's like once every six months. And you were doing the uh, George Street Co-op, right? Yeah, that was every other Sunday. That was really cool, like how you were able to sort of get in on that because there was like three or four people, right? Like hosting stuff. At one point, yeah. Because I never did them, but, like, I know that Mark Henley did, like, those cooking-like things with people. Yes. So, did you ever do that? I was never on uh, those shows, no. But I like the idea of it. Yeah, I like I the fact really that cool. the co-op was that, you know, kind of customizable where you can, you could do so many different kinds of shows. Right. And uh, do you have any interesting, like, sort of stories about anything at the, at those mics? I didn't. I I forgot to mention the highest paid gig I ever did. Oh, well, again, not to not to brag or anything. No, but no. It was a it was a children's talent show in Bordentown. It was at this. It was at a theater. Legit. I I didn't even know this place existed, uh, and I got asked because the original person that they wanted to host it was going to be in Florida at the time, and she recommended me, and right. I had to be totally G rated, so I had to write brand new. You know, like completely inoffensive jokes uh and they put me prominently on the freaking flyer uh you know like that they had like uh pamphlets that they handed out and it ended up being a good size audience too and it was it wasn't really like anything that i had done up until that point and it was it was a really good challenging thing right uh and i really and now i can you know like i could be like i can do a completely clean show right because I guess it's it's not really the uh, – I, I want to ask you about that. How did you make your stuff clean? Like, you don't really – like, 
you curse a little bit, but mostly your stuff is just like more about the content. Like the uh, you talk about um, like funerals and stuff like that, and like that stuff is really funny. Like all this the things you mentioned that you could do with that. Like what sort of stuff did you talk about at the uh, children's talent show? Yeah. You're talking about uh, like animals. Uh, I I remember I made fun of a guy's like jorts. Uh, Cause I had to kill some time right. and I'm like, all right, I'll just go. Cause I, I hate, you know, like jean shorts oh, and, uh, and the guy was right up front. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be dirty obviously, but I'm going to, I'm going to break some balls right now. Right. Um, I was talking about movies uh, and TV shows. I was trying to, you know, just think of like references that kids and adults could get. Right. Uh, and were the kids like good? Were they rowdy at all? No. That's no, they were very well behaved because the, the prize for, you know, like first, second and third place, it was like a cash, you know, like it was these were like it was a legit contest. So, you know, everyone was on their best behavior because it was like they might have a relative there that's in the thing or, you know, they are in the thing and their whole family's there. So they're like, I don't want to wreck the show, you know, and, and interrupt. Right. I remember. Uh, we were at the the one time that I performed for kids was I don't know if you were there yeah you were the the red tank I think it was called where was that that was in Red Bank in the bar I think it was uh, I think it was Alyssa was hosting it maybe and they had like the couple there that had like that weird like seemed like they had a swinger relationship and they had all the kids around with them. I don't think I was there. I remember you being there, but it was just like a weird like thing. Maybe you weren't. I don't remember. But it was just like that was having to perform for kids and I wrote like all this stuff that I didn't abusing. But I was like, okay, I can talk about like how exciting it is to be out like on a Friday night and you're gonna have pizza and stuff. And, like, it was such a weird, like, just room because it's, like, how do they let kids, like, nowadays, like, parents can just bring their kids in the bars and stuff? It's, like, insane. That's normally a problem, yeah. And uh, speaking of bar shows, that was one of the – I'll never forget it, man. Uh, I'd mentioned Elazar before. Uh, He put on a show in South Amboy. And it – was a pretty much all around disaster. Uh, the owner wanted like nothing to do with the show. I think he forgot the show was even happening that day. All the TVs were left on. Right. The guy didn't help Elazar set the room up. The audience was not informed that there was a show going on. So no one was getting charged at the door. Right. And there ended up being a fight outside and a fist fight inside. Oh my God. During the show. Like, the show never stopped. Like, the comedians just kept going, like, while right. there was, you know, these fist fights going on. And and there's video of it, too, man. Right. Uh, but I got to say, dude, and a lot of it had to do with this really, really, like, completely intoxicated guy who referred to himself as Dr. Death. I don't know what the oh name of the guy God. really was. Uh, some of the comedians there knew him. So he was not just this random guy that appeared, you know, from, like, five towns over he was a local and he was he was heckling every single comedian. Some comedians just refused to perform. Others walked, you know, like they just right. cut their set. I just did crowd work with that guy and I didn't let up, man. And I had a I had a fun time, but this show itself was a total disaster. That's the one thing that I sort of noticed with you is you sort of go into the lines then a lot. Like you'll notice like someone is a problem. And instead of, like, I think what most comedians would do is they try to think of, like, a way to combat it, like, once so that they'll shut up. But instead, you fight fire with fire and you go, okay, I'm going to zoom in on this person. And, like, it, I just think that's, like, really brave, like, how you do that. I don't like when the – I call it an art form, you know, like what we do, Rich. Right. Uh I don't like when it's disrespected and shit on and just treated like freaking dirt by comedians and audience members alike. So yeah, if a guy is ruining the entire show, right. Got to address that, you know? And like, 
I think that's the one thing that's great about it is you just have such that like it's not a negative thing. It's like an intensity that you have in your act that's so Yeah, and you could make it fun like everything could be brought back around and it's it's like oh this tense you know like uncomfortable situation is now hilarious right because of the way that you handle it yeah it's it's a it's a really like just crazy thing i wanted to ask you uh about sort of like non-comedy stuff like have how have you been keeping yourself entertained during quarantine have you learned like any to do anything new or i've caught up on books i put off uh movies i put off i write music uh oh really yeah that's cool i i use my laptop and you know like all these things were just put on the back burner you know for comedy and now i'm able to do them so much more at so much more of a frequency and uh, just organizing things in general, selling things I don't need, right. uh, cooking, you know, like different recipes. I, I've made so many different freaking recipes. Right. I saw that uh, on Facebook. Like, just stretching out, like st- stuff that I was like, you know what? I think I've made this before, but not like this, you know, right. like it's, it's, it's really refined. When did you learn to cook? Well, I think right before I moved on my own, uh, I started and then because I was tired of eating like fast food every single day of the week. I'm like, this is completely freaking unhealthy. And I'm eventually like, I'm gonna like to save money. I have to start learning how to like make my own food. So when I got, um, not my first apartment that I moved into with my best friend and brother, but when my brother and I moved in together, that's when I, I started it's, it was slowly, but by the time I lived alone, right. I was, freaking just making making up my own things i just see like the pictures you post of like stuff it's like wow this is like really looks like done well oh yeah those are only pictures rich imagine like and and i'm really you know like i'm pretty critical of my own cooking and when i love something i'm like it's it's impossible for somebody else not to love it too right so the music you make is that heavy metal or like what type of some of it so yeah some of it is some of it's like electronica some of it's blues some of it is uh acoustic it all de- it all depends it all depends like what i'm feeling at that moment are you friends with on facebook uh that mike ramash guy yeah yeah i've been friends with him for, he he booked me on a few shows yeah he's great he he's so nice and uh he hit, i just know he does that electronic music type of stuff yeah he uh he bought one of those um it was like a drum machine and he really you know like learned the ins and outs of it yeah like he has stuff on spotify it's just amazing uh oh he's got a spotify yeah he's got like two albums that's on funny there. he promoted all these other spotify's to me he never told me about his own i think i can't remember the name it's like mike radio or something but it's i'll find it's it. great yeah he's uh that's just what it reminded me of because i've never like seen that done like in person like the electronic music stuff that's so cool uh i know we've been talking for like a while so i don't want to keep you for long but um is there anything as long as it takes is there anything uh like coming up that uh i know there's nothing really that we have going on but is there any like thing with how house maze or anything going with what you're doing uh we want to we want to eventually uh branch out into a youtube channel that has clips you know like we we cut up audio and put you know like uh pictures or you know like some kind of like random video or maybe like an unlicensed video in the background uh i i'm looking forward to that because there's a lot of a lot of our shows are long you know some of them are like two and a half to three hours long and there's lots of gold but there there is like if you can't listen that long we got to figure out a way to like break it down because there's gold man there's golden bits right have you ever thought about doing like sort of a live show thing like having you know like on a stage with people that have been on this show before yeah maybe when it's safe uh i'm i'm gonna wait on that yeah uh for right now, we're we're just uh, doing the actual podcast right. itself. We're still doing it remotely, and the next step is the YouTube channel. Yeah, it's it's really just an amazing thing. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's kind of crazy, like setting everything up, and hopefully, it sounds good. It better because yeah. 
I I saw that you actually took the time to write some questions out. Oh yeah, I uh, I have to. I'm doing uh, um, I'm interviewing Eric Hallerbach in a couple weeks, so I'm just trying to get like as many people as I can to just do this. And this is a good test run because I wanted to do this with Timmy, but he ended up coming to my house because he wasn't sure like how it was gonna sound like. I like I said, Rich, you sounded good, and I'm glad you took my advice of you know different recording techniques. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that I got this to do because I've been so lucky with you know it's it's just crazy with this app that it's free. Uh, it's this is I'm supposed to like not supposed to, but I should uh, promote this Anchor app more because it's great. It's you know you can do it for free and it uploads it to you know Spotify and. Apple Podcasts completely free for you. It's great. And uh, it sounds like you're doing a live read right now. I've been so lucky because uh, I guess Carl listens to it a whole bunch and my uh, brother in law listens to it a whole bunch. So it has better, it has way better reviews than like uh, star rating than it should. (laughs) Cause it was absolutely shitty for the first year. Like just the audio, I didn't pay any good attention to yeah none of those bad reviews were me rich don't think it was me yeah so it was like it was just i was very lucky so uh but thank you so much for coming on uh i thank you for finally having me after years of being an uh an active listener right <laughs> i'm finally on your podcast right so uh are you gonna be at the uh this is just casual talk are you gonna be at the um mic on monday or are you busy on? Uh, yeah, I will, and I'm glad they're having it on Labor Day. And yeah. it's the first one, I believe, that's back indoors. Oh, it's indoors. That's great. Uh, I mean, it's open now. You can you can have a certain capacity, and the mic never has more than a certain amount of people at it. Right. So you know, you won't you won't break that capacity. I guess before we go, I wanted to ask you about that. Like that whole entire that has been so great. Like I think we've really found like back to a groove now with stuff. Like it it seems like we we really found a way to um, do it outside. Like I was surprised, like it was raining a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like every week it was raining yeah. at one point, but we ended up doing like pretty well with that. And uh, I know it drove you insane that we had a couple people who I guess came by who were like, not regulars, but like they just weren't good comedians or maybe they weren't even comedians. And you just zoned in on that. Like, that was so interesting. Yeah. Am I going to have to get into comedy beefs now? Because we, no. we talked about this yesterday <laughs> on our podcast. We don't have to do that. You don't have, like, comedy beefs, like, that are, you know, they're minor people. They're not, like, people that people would know. Like, with you, you have such a good reputation. I... I guess. Uh, maybe it depends on who you ask. Right. Uh, there, I don't think there's anybody that actively hates me. Right. Uh, and if there is, I don't see these people. Right. Uh, you know, comedian-wise. Uh, Tom Silver recently told me that he hates my act, but I'm sure he was just kidding. Right. Uh, yeah. I. He's come to my mic and stuff. Well, not my mic, that I co-hosted with... Uh, Max, a bunch. I heard. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, he's an interesting guy. He is. He's been in it a long time. <laughs> yeah. I did have, like, a kind of a beef with him, but it wasn't comedy related. <laughs> it was, uh, basically, like, he was getting on me about, like, learning to drive and stuff. And, like, I was <laughs> like, I have a dad. Like, I have two loving parents. I don't need some 50-year-old guy to, like, be uh But he's so passionate about being an Uber driver that he wants you to get behind the wheel. Yeah. But it was just, like, an interesting thing. But then we, like, made up and stuff, and we're good now. And he's fucking great. And yeah, he's friended and defriended me, I think, uh, five times across three different Facebook profiles. So yeah. I heard he does that with a lot of people. I think he just... Oh, I never, I never, the first time it confused the hell out of me, but once the fifth time happened, I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's not like a personal thing. I think he just has no his no, way. And it was never, I think never that's, personal. you know, pretty normal for, we all have our, you know, we're all pretty quirky being comedians. So we all have our 
things. Yeah, but I I go by online. I I don't post anything really negative. No, I never are. I never argue with people. I right. never put. I never put inflammatory posts like, oh, these bands suck. Anybody that likes them is afraid. Or that, that steak thing where it's like, if you if you enjoy your steak well done, I'm blocking you. Or right. just, I don't I don't rile people up that way. Now, like you were saying, if I see something, if I see somebody shitting all over a mic or walking people and not caring or just completely disavowing everything that's going on, like they'll they'll sign up 28th. Walk away from the whole mic. Right. Periodically come back about two hours later to see where everything is. Walk away again. And then go on stage and expect everybody to pay attention. I say, fuck that, man. Do you ever, I know you don't engage, but do you ever, like, I, I imagine you take note of, you would take note of things. Like, do you ever, like, sort of ban people from, or not really ban them, but think about not booking them because of, anything they have done online like if you see something like no no i just i just choose not to associate with them period and i don't pretend to you know i i hate to you know like shaking somebody's hand i mean we don't really do that anymore now but i can almost always tell when people are being not genuine with me right and that really freaking it's it's bad enough when it's your boss right but when it's somebody that's doing the same art form as you right it just it it um it reviles me right or i revile it or vice versa well you have been just a, you've been a great guest and i'm so happy that you did this and uh i'll see you soon, i thought buddy. you fell asleep i'm glad you were able to record at the time that we decided oh yeah i'm so happy uh Thank you. You want me to plug my... Uh, uh, yes, plug uh, everything that you want to. Okay. I believe I have a show coming up before I go to California. Uh, Pete Freight, he's doing another backyard thing. I don't know when it is mm-hmm. or exactly where it is, but it's another headlining uh, gig. So I'm able to... Like I, like I was talking about before, you know, like these half-hour things, I'm able to do that. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm just doing the mics that I can... I can do. I want to try and and do newer mics. Right. And if I have to drive, I think I'm just going to start, you know, like going to North Jersey if I have to. Right. And uh, yeah, Foul Housemates. Find us. We're really pushing Spotify. And we also have the Foul Housemates playlist where it's collaborative. You could add whatever songs you want. Now, I got to say this, Rich. I noticed, I think it was you that was putting entire albums on the playlist. I will remove entire albums. Oh, that's talking okay. songs. Yeah, it might not have been you. I don't know, but I removed no, I don't think every, I did that. No, I removed all the albums. I don't do that. Just song. It's it, dude. It was like fifty hours long. That's way too long. Right. Uh, so the Foul Housemates playlist on Spotify. My YouTube channel is just Daniel Caprio. Right. My Instagram is also at Daniel Caprio. Right. And my Twitter is at Daniel underscore Caprio. Right. Yeah. All these different things have different media on them. So check them all out. Right. This has been perfect. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rich. It's nice to uh, have you as a guest. And now I'm receiving the favor. Yes. Thanks. <laughs>